Welcome once again to our Shir Jashub broadcast, brought to you by the Church Fellowship of Shir Jashub Christian Tabernacle in Madison, Connecticut. My name is Patty Scalzo, and I'd like to remind our listeners that at the end of the program, I will be giving an address where you can write to us, so you will want to have a paper and pen handy. In today's program, my husband, Pastor Greg Scalzo, and I will continue to discuss heavenly authority. We see that all authority comes from God. Human certificates and degrees are not sufficient to bestow true heavenly authority. So now, let's go right into the study. Patty, in our last program, we studied Matthew chapter 21, verses 23 to 27. Perhaps you should read that section again to remind our listeners. Sure. Now when he came into the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people confronted him as he was teaching and said, By what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? But Jesus answered and said to them, I also will ask you one thing, which if you tell me, I likewise will tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John, where was it from? From heaven or from men? And they reasoned among themselves, saying, If we say from heaven, he will say to us, why then did you not believe him? But if we say from men, we fear the multitude, for all count John as a prophet. So they answered Jesus and said, We do not know. And he said to them, Neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. Here, the central figure of all time, one with the greatest authority, for in very nature he was God, was in the position of having to answer to those who seemed to be in high authority over the people, but who really cared little for God's will, as we saw in our last program. They could not even commit themselves on John's baptism, and so the Lord would not let them force him into a declaration which they had no intention to consider. Later, when these leaders would hold a mock trial, carefully out of the sight of the crowd, Jesus would give a more direct answer to the inquiry. In Matthew chapter 26, verses 63 and 64, we read, and the high priest answered and said to him, I put you under oath by the living God. Tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus said to him, It is as you said. Nevertheless, I say to you, Hereafter you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the power and coming on the clouds of heaven. At this they tore their clothes and called him a blasphemer without even evaluating his claim. His miracles alone deserved their consideration. Each day people had been healed at the temple. For three years marvelous signs had occurred under his ministry, and lives had been changed for the good. Recently Lazarus, who was dead for days, was raised to life by Jesus. Yet without a moment's thought, they beat Jesus and spit on him and handed him over to the Gentiles to be killed. Now the Apostle Peter indicates in Acts chapter 3 verse 17 that not all the leaders acted so shamefully out of extreme wickedness, but rather some did so out of ignorance, although the rest of the book of Acts shows how many continued in their sin and rejection even after confronted with the truth of the resurrection. That's right, Patty. And we should pray that as we examine the question of heavenly authority, we do not do so in ignorance, but in God's truth and sincerity. Amen. Putting together what we have studied so far in the first two programs, we can develop then the first important point of the study series. And it is this, authority comes from heaven or it does not. There is no other option. 
If authority is from men, it is a mere imitation and of no value. True authority, which is of God, can only come from God. Jesus allowed them no in-between position or third option. John's baptism was either from heaven or from men. And it's the same today. Either the message is from heaven or from men. That's right. All the human certificates and degrees, all the certain investments and splendid buildings cannot replace the special call of God on an individual's life. It is only when God chooses someone for service and places the gospel message in his heart and on his mouth. It is only when that person knows the reality of his God and the importance of the message that we can begin to speak about true heavenly authority. The Baptist had such authority even though he did not belong to the official group of elders or priests in Jerusalem. Although we will see that John indeed had a rightful claim to the priesthood, his father Zacharias being a priest and both parents being descendants of Aaron. That's right. But John's authority was more than just one of lineage or institution. It was by the direct call of God on his life. As we read in Luke chapter 3 verses 2 and 3, while Annas and Caiaphas were high priests, the word of God came to John, the son of Zacharias, in the wilderness. And he went into all the region around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. Okay, let's move on. In order to better understand true authority, heaven-given authority, in the New Testament church, it is beneficial for us to go back and examine how God worked through men and women in Old Testament times. If we turn to Genesis chapter 1, we see several important points in the Genesis creation account, which we will see repeated throughout human history. Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 to 28 reads, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. God gave tremendous authority and dominion to Adam and his descendants. God had created a world perfect in beauty and provision specifically for humans. The world teemed with all varieties of life and it was Adam's express right to have dominion or rule over them. All the earth and nature's delight was freely given to him for mankind was created as pure gold in God's sight, a precious gem to whom God gave spiritual capacities and rational thought and for whom he had prepared a physical paradise. Unlike any of Earth's other creations, man was made in the very image of God. But, Greg, man's original relationship to the creation was not simply the type of dominion we see today. That's right. We can see that by the next verses, 29 to 31. And God said, See, I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of all the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed. To you it shall be for food. Also to every beast of the earth, to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth, in which there is life, I have given every green herb for food, and it was so. Then God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. 
Notice that the beasts and birds, insects and fish, were not to be ruled over for the purpose of food. In fact, in the garden, man was by command a vegetarian. We are told in Genesis uh, chapter 2, verse 9, uh, that, And out of the ground the Lord God made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. We can only begin to imagine the type and variety of fruits that existed to provide mankind with more than sufficient nourishment of amino acids, etc. It was only after the destruction of the flood, the penalty for that generation's sin, that God gave Noah and his family every moving thing that lives as food for man. That can be read in Genesis chapter 9, verse 3. God tells Noah and his sons, Every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. I have given you all things, even as the green herbs. So, Greg, both the devastation of the flood and the fact that the new environment after the flood could no longer sustain certain beneficial vegetation could be possible reasons for the extinction of such fruits and vegetables and hence the new requirement of taking an animal's life for food. That's right. The point to understand is this. If we believe what the Bible says is true, then animals in the beginning, in the original creation, were not for food. Adam was to eat the fruits and vegetables, and the animals were to eat the green plants. Patty, why don't you read Genesis uh, chapter 2, verses 18 to 20. And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. And that is really a prophecy about Eve. That's right. Out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air, and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. So Adam gave names to all cattle, to the birds of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helper comparable to him. We can see from this passage that for the purpose of fellowship, the Lord God brought all the animals to Adam. Because Adam was in communion with God, he was also in a very real communication with the animals. Patty, I don't think we can even begin to envision a world where we would have a peaceful and totally obedient assistance from all of God's creatures. What if you could direct the flight of birds, or even the pterodactyl, or had access to the paper production capabilities of the wasps? What if the great strength of God's behemoths were at your will for building and construction? And consider the chemistry laboratories of the insect world, the craftsmanship of the beaver, the speed of the horse and cheetah. Imagine a world that could be naturally built and enjoyed. Communications, transportation, art, and production all without the modern contaminants, pollutants, and hazards. And think about Adam. We see in this passage that God had originally created man with a mental capacity to recognize and analyze each and every kind of living thing and give each one an appropriate name. I don't think the mental and memory capacities of any modern person could do the same. So Adam was uniquely imbued with the capabilities to have dominion over all the earth. And when we understand this, the communication between Eve and the serpent, which we'll look at in our next program, no longer seems so unreasonable. It was natural and normal for humans to be in harmony and contact with the creatures of nature God created for them. And even today there are some animal enthusiasts who feel particularly close to a certain species. Some believe they've come to begin to understand the thoughts and desires of their pets or of the animals they spent years studying. But this is but a poor shadow of the original communication in Eden. And Greg, even in this paradise for Adam, 
in the bliss of fellowship with all the varied life forms, we read in chapter 2, verse 20, but for Adam, there was not found a helper comparable to him. That's right. And we'll speak more about that in our next program. The word of the Lord is indeed spirit and truth and life. And that is why we here at Shir Jashub Christian Tabernacle feel so privileged to be able to bring you this Bible study program. And we would love to hear from you, our listeners. I know in today's unbelievably busy world, it is difficult to find the time to write, but your words of encouragement are greatly appreciated. Also, if you feel prayerfully led of the Lord to help support the Church Fellowship Outreach of Shear Jeshub Christian Tabernacle, your donations would also be greatly appreciated. Please send all correspondence and make out all donations to Shear Jashub Christian Tabernacle. That's S-H-E-A-R hyphen J-A-S-H-U-B Christian Tabernacle Post Office Box 518 Branford, Connecticut 06405 Once again, that's Sheer Jashub Christian Tabernacle Post Office Box 518 Branford, Connecticut 06405 and if you are going to be in the Madison, Connecticut area, I would like to invite you to join us for Sunday service. Shear Jashub Christian Tabernacle meets every Sunday morning for Bible study, praise, worship, and the Lord's Supper at 10 a.m. in the upper room of the Memorial Town Hall on Meeting House Lane in Madison, Connecticut. Take I-95 to exit 61. Go down to Route 1, turn right, and at the next light, turn right again. We are in the yellow brick and white building. Please join us for our next broadcast of Shear Jashub.